Now, the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the WPTF Weekend Gardener. Mike Rayleigh here, along with a large group of people. Wow. I mean, you know, this uh, pandemic fades. We get, get more people in the studio, and that's a great thing. Uh, you got a convention here. We do have a convention here. Uh, Ann Clapp. Morning, Ann. How you doing? I'm doing fine. It's a good group of people. Here I would morning. say so. And uh, Brother Rufus Edmonston is with us. Uh, morning uh, there, Mr. Secretary. 10-4. 10-4. So he always, you always said that at uh, Council of State meetings, didn't you? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> and uh, Commissioner Graham said everything's going to be all right. <laughs> the Sodfather. Gerald, I can't see you, but uh, Gerald Adams is is sitting here. And Gerald, uh, you've been selling, uh, in addition to your regular job in, with Centennial Campus, uh, you, you've been selling a lot of Gerald Adams tomatoes, right? Moonlighting, yes, Moonlighting, I have. yeah. So how many did you sell? How many plants? I sold not quite 10,000. Ten thousand. My merciful heavens! At the state farmers market. At the state farmers market, yeah. six weeks and five days continuously, to be exact. Whew. Wow! Mar- March twenty third through Mother's Day Saturday. I bet they're they're glad to get rid of you. Over Probably there. are. <laughs> <laughs> Where did they? Uh, was the kettle corn person there? No, uh, strangely, and I would have to get there was. Sometimes on the weekend that he was there, because you don't have to look up the hill to see, you just sniff a few times and yeah. you smell him cooking it. Yeah. Uh, so I'm not a hundred percent certain what all the the issue was there with that. But did you uh, have some withdrawal? Yes, yes, I certainly did. Well, a lot of great fragrances at the State Farmers Market. And we have a a special guest and a sponsor this morning from uh, Premier Agents Network, Justin Burleson. Justin. Very nice to have you in here. Let's give him a round of applause. Yeah, everybody. Welcome. Hey, I don't hey, get hey. Of applause very often. Thank you. Yeah. So you're uh, you're part of uh, Fonville Morrissey, yes, which sir. is gosh, I've heard about that all my life. I think, and uh, you uh, you're you're very busy now. I would I would suppose very busy, very busy. Yeah. What a strange market this this is, uh, and a strange time we live with uh, the, the the way uh, things are set up. Uh, if you're a seller. Whew, you got it made You're in into shade. shade. <laughs> but then if you got to buy. <laughs> That's the problem. That's why there's not a whole lot of houses on the market right now because you know you can make a nice chunk of change when you sell, but a lot of people don't know where, to, where they're going to end up. No, no uh, people aren't building as much uh, because of the pandemic or they haven't been. And, you know, it'll catch up after a while. It will. But. Uh, right now and and everybody wants apparently wants to live here they do 107 people were moving here every day before the pandemic and i guarantee you it's a lot oh yeah yeah with apple coming in and and amazon down in johnston county uh the i I know something that is uh vital to sell maybe not in this market most markets is a a great looking yard that always helps doesn't it absolutely so are you an avid gardener uh, I am a, a novice gardener. I'll okay, well, we have plenty of listeners who are novice gardeners, I've too. Been, I, well, I used to live in, in Durham, and I had built a, a raised bed about 10 by 3 
and uh, I I was able to grow a tomato or two, which is which was that's nice. uh, better than better than a lot of people. <laughs> uh, we you know the the uh, Gerald it's incredible the the problems that tomato growers have had. Uh, do you foresee uh, the a, a similar year? Well. You know, I'm naturally pessimistic. Uh, comes from being raised on a tobacco farm. Right. Uh, so I hope that it's going to be a better year this year, but I'm, I'm afraid to stretch out too far in that regard. Uh, most of the problems, really, the, if you go back the last five years, if we're having above-average rainfall in May that carries over into June, and that creates the laboratory to make so many of the tomato diseases, and they've come in sooner and been more vigorous, and people growing tomatoes have been more sad, <laughs> I guess is the best best way to put it. So it's, it's ironic. Uh, <clears throat> you know, I heard my father say it so many times growing up when we were farming, raising tobacco, you know, dry weather will scare you, but wet weather will ruin you. Uh, <laughs> you, you can make it rain uh, by irrigating and watering even your garden, uh, but if you have too much rain, there's not a whole lot you can do about it. So, so you, you had – Pretty good luck with your tomatoes. I did. At I, least you found something to eat, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I grew a few tomatoes, and I, I, I had some luck with some squash. And then we moved to Raleigh uh, two years ago and uh, bought a place that had a, a tennis court built. Uh, it was a clay tennis court, and we don't play tennis. So I decided I was going to convert the tennis court to a big garden. <laughs> so I, I, I think the natural progression, if I'm not mistaken, is going from 30 square feet of raised bed to – Almost 7,200 square feet of raised bed. Does that sound about right? Golly, I don't know if I'd want to deal with that or not. I'd call that a hurricane. <laughs> well, at any rate, do you um, – you, you probably don't have time. Most people don't have time to hand, handle their, their lawn, for instance. Or do you have a lawn? Or I don't is it all have garden? much lawn. No, I, oh, uh, we're 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 pretty wooded where we are. So uh, okay. I have about an acre of, of yard that I haven't really dealt with all that much. And um, it's probably if you if it's wooded, you probably have a lot of shade. Lots of shade. Oh, okay. Well, that's a that's a special type of gardening. There aren't um, there are probably more plants, Gerald, than we think. Then I haven't been to the chancellor's house. Is, do, do they have a lot of shade over there? Uh, not a lot of there's, – there's some shade. Uh, some of the trees that were planted with the original construction, the elms coming down the driveway are getting up pretty sized, but there's only really grass and some shrubs around then. Uh, the, around the house, the shade is away from it, so you've got a lot of sun to work with there. But there, the, the way the house is built and the type of house it is, there are some shady areas around the back along the patio, but but not as much shade as I had to deal with before. Uh, the governor's mansion? Yes. Yeah. Gerald was uh, curator of the grounds of the governor's mansion for many years. He's uh, kind of oversees uh, the uh, Centennial Campus, which includes the Chancellor's home. Not the golf course, but the Chancellor's home. And uh, The point that, is we re- refer to it. <laughs> That's what they call the, yeah. oh, the point. The point. They spell it pointy? <clears throat> P-O-I-N-T. I believe there is maybe an E on the end of it. Yeah, that I think about fancy. That. What are they using the, the old chancellor's home for? Is that still owned by the university? It is. That's the uh, as a museum. Oh, okay. Now. Art yeah. museum. Yes. Mm-hmm. Have, have you been in there, Rufus? Yes, I certainly have. I'm sure you've been in there many times for, for different occasions, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, that was a pretty old home. 
And they've added to it, uh, and it has uh, – I know they do some emphasis on uh, textile and engineering-related uh-huh. stuff. Do they maintain Art. the grounds? I haven't driven by uh, there. We, we maintain the grounds. You do? In, in okay. C, in, I don't, but NC State does. Our grounds mm-hmm. crew looks after that. Yeah. So you you haven't de- you aren't dealing with main campus at, at all now? Uh, not as much. We, we do uh, – there was a, a span of time when there – the person that looks after that, that position was empty. So I had to do it for a little while till we hired a new person. But I work very closely. Uh, it's a young woman, <clears throat> and we over plant stuff. And we now finally have our own greenhouse. So we're Fantastic. growing some stuff ourselves, and yeah. we're able to maintain and keep some of our tropical stuff alive, overwinter it. Uh, so we've got bigger plant, bigger ferns to start with this time of the year when we're putting them out in places. Uh-huh. and. We grew just a, a few dab of annuals. We don't really have enough room to grow anything in a super large quantity, but I think we're going to grow up a few perennials. I bet uh, I know who talked them into that greenhouse. <clears throat> I might have had a little something yeah. <laughs> to do with that. But uh, Now, did you have to talk to the chancellor to get it? Or? No, we didn't have to go quite that far oh, okay. up the line, yeah. but uh, it just you know kind of dumbfounded me that here we are, one of the premier horticulture universities in the entire country, and the people looking after the grounds didn't have their own greenhouse. Yeah, I mean, greenhouses there are greenhouses everywhere. Uh, but they, but it, as with everything, it comes into well, you've got to have somebody with the particular knowledge to do that. Right. And, you know, it's always difficult at the university setting <laughs> creating new positions and all, right. all that has to be gone through uh, <clears> to do that. And often the people that already have the greenhouses, whether it's uh, professors there or different groups doing whatever or very protective about oh, you know, so. their yeah. space and don't yeah. want you know somebody that they don't know anything about yeah, or sure. who they worried doesn't know how to look after a greenhouse you know sharing doesn't usually work when you're in operating greenhouses yeah. uh, there's there's too many things involved with it so we're we're real excited uh we have uh we are already looking to expand to be able to put up another greenhouse right beside the one we have so uh, we're we're excited going forward that we will be able to do two things. One, uh, we will be able to sustain the plants that we're growing, meaning we won't have to buy as many new plants uh, each year. We will be able to save the university some money uh, uh, for what we you know have to pay for plant material, and right. we think we will end up with more plants to put in the ground and not have to spend any more money to do that. Have so you? Uh, it's kind of a win-win-win. Are y'all planning a lot of annuals around the yeah, campus? We still we still plan a lot of annuals. You know, that campus, and I heard, heard the chancellor this past week mention, you know, approaching 150 years old, uh, right. has got a lot of mature trees, uh, huge oak trees, and some areas where even where the pine trees are very large. So there's a lot of shade on that campus. And because yeah. of that, we do use, and it, you know, just on Centennial Campus alone, I mean, that's counting the golf course a 1,000 acres. You take the golf course out, that's 800 acres that is Centennial Campus. So we, we do use annuals as what we call color beds to inject color in places where there's just, you know, maybe an excess amount of green. Uh, we have been trying to, to, to get more perennial flowers planted in it, but that's a, it's difficult to have uh, – perennial flower beds and have color in them 12 months of the year right uh, here so sometimes we may have a little small annual bed as part of that perennial bed where we can ensure that we have color 12 months so what what are you all planning what what's I'm sure you would have to plant something that's really reliable uh yes and and we plant you know and it's we're just like uh 
the, the listeners out there. We have some beds that may have irrigation in them. We have some that don't, that have to be manually uh, watered, which that becomes a problem. So you're always looking for plants that may be more drought tolerant, that you don't have to water as much. I particularly on Centennial Campus have moved into the now I have to deer with deer. So a lot of the plants that I have historically used in a lot of my designs out the window because the deer ate them down to the ground. So yeah. that's been kind they of— They were hungry. Yeah, yes, they were. Of course they were. Uh, but I don't like to be the one to feed them. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's one thing you don't want to be in charge of. Th- that's right. So that has really—I have changed. In fact, the, my little weekend gardener article last fall was about that. Uh, you know, I had planted plants that supposedly— Deer didn't bother. Well, they bothered mine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, that has been kind of an ongoing challenge. A lot of the tried and true annuals that I have used, you know, for the, for the last 20 years, I had to throw out the window and try something else just for the fact that it had to be deer proof. Have you have you found that they will eat hellebore? Because they I, won't they won't touch hellebores. Yeah, I, I found uh, that. Deer to be true. are way more intelligent than we are. If it's anything that can remotely be poisonous to them, uh, they won't touch. Yeah. Uh, so they, you can plant all the hellebores you want. They won't ever. They won't ever. And they're touch all over Rufus's yard, so they won't set foot uh, in that. I in think that that's yard. my. That's my. Along, along with Jasper the guard dog. Yeah. The hellebore. <laughs> Everywhere you you look, there's a hellebore. By the way, Gerald, I've been thinking, who in the world is going to get to work at that beautiful Tony A. Vent plants delight that's been will. Given to the NC State, I don't know how that's going yeah, to work. You know, they, they've got it is tied in with the arboretum, I think. Right, mm-hmm. some kind of joint. JC Rawson Arboretum. Yeah, yes. So yeah. I imagine when all the smoke clears, that will be the Ar- arboretum looking after that. Yeah, I don't yeah. know the particulars of that, but that would I think be, you're right. Would would be yeah. I, I think how that's going to work. Just you ever been to the NC State of Arboretum? A long time ago, yes, sir. Yeah, that's oh, uh, th- that's a great place to visit, mm-hmm. to relax, to have a wedding, to uh, uh, get ideas for for plant plantings in your own yard. I mean, they have a lot of things there that may not be available yet. They it's kind of a testing ground for plants, but they have a lot of tried and true things, and we can get ideas for uh, for that. Nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three nine one nine eight six zero WPTF. We'll have more of The Weekend Gardener coming up here on WPTF, partially brought to you by Premier Agents Network with Justin Burleson. For 40 years, it was the Tar Heel Gardener. And since then, the Weekend Gardener has invited you into their backyard. A WPTF tradition since 1945. It's 8.26 WPTF time. Mike Riley here along with Ann Clapp and Rufus Edmiston. Gerald Adams is with us this morning. And also Justin Burleson with Premier Agents Network of Fonville Morrissey Realty. And we'll be talking more about that uh, coming up. You know, it's amazing the amount of wildlife we have here in the Triangle area and the damage they can do. We were just talking about that, of deer, of course, and that's why so many folks in our area depend on Imos Garden repellents to control animal damage. Now, if you have deer, rabbits eating your plants, squirrels digging in your flower pots, moles and voles tunneling through your yard, uh, Imos Garden has a solution for you. Imos Garden will protect your beautiful garden with natural repellents that are pleasantly scented, effective, and long-lasting. 
And, of course, uh, every Amos Garden repellent has been individually <coughs> formulated to provide safe and effective protection. Now, Amos Garden is, uh, is, has an extraordinary blend, actually. If, uh, if you look at the package, it's really, really interesting. Botanical oils that will give you uh, the most effective repellents on the market and uh, make it a lot easier for you to use. And you don't have to reapply it after every rain because of those oils. And the repellents are available in a variety of sizes from ready-to-use spray bottles, cost-saving concentrates, easy-to-use shaker jars. It's no wonder Imos Garden has become the favorite repellent for so many gardeners. You'll find Imos Garden at locally-owned independent garden centers and hardware stores like Southern States and Carborough and Durham Garden Center. Protect your garden today with natural pest protection from I Must Garden Repellents. Earth-friendly, people- and pet-friendly, and made right here in the Triangle area. Let's go to uh, Herb in Durham. Herb, good morning. Welcome. Good morning, Ann, Rufus, Gerald, Justin, and Mike. Hope you're well. <laughs> we're all yeah, yeah, we're doing okay, as far as I can tell. Mike, I'm up against... At least you're up against the news, so I'll be quick. That's fine. We can hold you over if, if necessary, Just, but go ahead. Uh, last week when I was in Jamesville, I was talking about uh, a bush or hedge. I have positively identified it. It is definitely Chinese privet. And yeah. the, reason, yep. the, reason, the reason I know is because there are two things. One is... Um, I saw a picture, and it showed the black berries that form after the flowers, and that is definitely what I've seen all these years. Yes. Uh, the other thing is the definition was invasive. I saw Chinese privets 20, 30 feet tall down there. They were just taking over a lot of vacant lots. So uh, I didn't know you were going to have Gerald on this morning, so I'm almost embarrassed to try to offer tomato advice. Oh, please do. Please do. He may uh, agree with me, but I think a lot of people are putting in tomatoes now. And if they don't want to be severely disappointed down the road, they better make sure they've got calcium there. Right. Well, uh, I will give him a pat on the back. That is, yes, that uh, is so. And you, know, that, uh, you get a lot of that calcium from liming. That's right. Blossom, soil. blossom end rot is the result of not enough calcium, in which liming of the soil is one of the easiest ways to do that. Of course, though, you will get a lot of people use eggshells will work as well. Hey, uh, Herb, hold on, and we'll we'll talk more about this after the news, if you don't mind waiting. Sure. All right, more of the Weekend Gardener straight ahead here on WPTF 919-860-9783. It's 830. Let's get back to the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. All right, back on WPTF at 834, back to Herb and his tomatoes and lime and calcium. And I don't know, Herb, uh, I don't know who had the floor, you or Gerald. but uh, Herb was doing real well. Take so it away. Take it away, yeah, he Herb. Got, he got a pat on the back. <laughs> well, what uh, one of the neighbors mentioned uh, some time ago, a couple of weeks ago, about growing a tomato uh, off the ground. And I grow them in five-gallon pots as well. And what I, I treat them like tomatoes. I put them at the very bottom, and as they grow up, I just keep adding dirt to it for more roots. 
and uh, it seems to do fairly well. And I have about a gallon of crushed eggshells when I can't get to the sperm and the other kind of things that I just sprinkle out there to keep bugs off. But I had a question for Gerald, and yeah. that is, is it my imagination or have I missed something? It seems like the uh, sweet 100 uh, cherry tomatoes and the red cherry tomatoes are giving way to the golden oranges? Well, sun gold has become the number one. I grew 135 varieties that I sold at the market this year, and sun gold was the number two overall seller, only slightly behind Cherokee purple. Uh, And the reason sun gold has become so popular is, one, it's a good-tasting cherry tomato. Uh, Two, it's super prolific, and, and it makes a humongous plant with all kinds of fruit. Uh, still not that easy to find. It's, it's rare you see one for sale at a box store. And the reason for that is it's a hybrid, and the seed are about five or six times what normal tomato seed cost. Even some of your longtime nursery growers just refuse to pay that extra money for the seed for whatever reason. But... Uh, it's super sweet 100 and sweet millions both are outstanding cherry tomatoes too and i am not a super uh, cherry tomato fan because so many of the cherries look wonderful and you bite into them and what i thought i was biting a tomato what's this uh but that is one reason that the sun gold has become so popular it tastes (coughs) like a tomato and i just don't know i think sometimes the uh, super sweet 100s are not available, and the people that once once anybody tries a tomato, grows it in their yard, has success with it, and likes it, they tend to stick with it. They don't look to try a lot of other things. Okay, thank you. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hey, thank you, Herb. Appreciate you calling, buddy. You bet. All right. Well, I'm, I've got a question for Gerald. All right. Pots. I'm into pots now with your Gerald's Lightning, and I I had gotten I've got my second one today from, from Gerald. If you if you know that you've got fungus in, in the ground, but you you've got pots, is it necessary to take the pot and t- put it off of the ground? If if you put a pot down on the ground that you, you know is sort of infested, will it get up in the pot, or should you put brick or something under it? Uh, it it's never a bad idea to have any kind of container not touching the ground. Uh, for one. Sometimes at the, at the younger plants, when you first put something, some of the root rot diseases like dampening off can, can, put, can come through like that. Right. Sometimes your drainage can be affected when you're flush. Even though you've got a number of drainage holes and they're stuck right on the ground, it can be right. slower for the water to get away. So, yes, it may be aggravating. Yes, you can have success not doing that, but if you have the capability to get them even a, a brick paver off the ground, right. it, it's worth the aggravation to do that long term. Okay. that That is, I'm going to give you a pat on the back because that's what I'm doing. All right. Uh, Jim is in Bahama. Jim, good morning. You're on WPTF. Good morning. How are y'all doing? I, Great. Good. If I was any better, I wouldn't be able to live with myself. <laughs> Go ahead. <clears throat> Living up here near Bahama, but if I could dig up one of Rufus's uh, buckets of money, I'd move to Roxbury. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. I, I do. I'm, I'm from a family that used to hide money. <laughs> yeah, right. In coffee jars. <laughs> Is that what your mama did? She she hid money? My grandma that? would get egg money and hide it in a coffee jar and, and bury it. <laughs> she went through the Depression. She said, I'm not going to let a bank have my money. Oh, you go. So how many times uh, – uh, 
how often should we fertilize our uh, tomatoes? That's a trick question. Uh, I would tell you that the overwhelming majority of people growing tomatoes do not fertilize enough. Uh, the I actually use a multitude of things, uh, and I probably fertilize every other week for the first six weeks or so. Uh, I have found that the bigger I can get the plant, Sometimes that larger plant with bigger root system can better hold off the disease pressure when it comes in early, which for the last five years, the disease pressure has been early. Also, you've got to, if you get to plant to a, a larger size, it'll have more blooms and more fruit. Now, the rub comes because many people that have been gardening for a long time have heard the, oh, you put too much nitrogen to tomatoes, you'll just have all plant, no blooms. There is some truth to that. But you got to get from that 6, 10, 12-inch, ever how tall the transplant was when you put it in the ground, you've got to get it up to some size. Uh, And the quicker that you do that, I think the better success you're going to have. We all know that it is rare to go through an entire summer here and not see any kind of tomato diseases. So by in the general way of blowing that plant up a little quicker – Now, once I see fruit that are approaching ripeness and I'm starting to pick fruit, I call off the dogs and I really don't use much fertilizer. I will still use Epsom salt, magnesium sulfate, but that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. Yes, sir. We we live near uh, 85 out here in northern Durham, and one of the places that sells soil and so forth uh, does a lot of uh, work with Duke University. And they've come up with uh, stuff they call Duke dirt. <laughs> that's what they use. Well, you know, being well, a Carolina man, yeah. I can't use any Duke dirt. <laughs> no, and I want to. But I might could use something similar. <laughs> You'd be surprised how good tomatoes you would get, though. <laughs> uh, I, I suspect, as in, I used to have a soil made, well, made, created especially for me when I was at the governor's mansion that had twelve to fifteen percent dried chicken manure. Uh, put into it. Uh, And often there are things that you can do like that where you're adding some nutrient value to the soil up front. Uh, Sometimes that that would, as part of the reason I said it's a trick question, how much to fertilizer. Well, if you're using that kind of soil, you've got a pretty good nutrient load up front. You may still need to fertilize some, but not as much as somebody that just planted into, say, some kind of good potting mix. So it depends a lot on what you're working with to start with. But uh, I can tell you, I've often speak to uh, garden groups, master gardener groups, and when we, they're having issues and I work back through it, I will find that they planted it in good rich soil, but they expected it to go from the middle of April to after Labor Day and never add any more food to it. And a plant gets up six, seven foot tall and with 40, 50 large tomatoes on it, it takes a lot of nutrients to continue that for three, four, five months. Yes, sir. One more question, I'll leave you alone. Uh, I think I know the answer, but is it too late to plant Shady Nook in an area that maintains 75% um, shade? Well, it's... it's uh, Gerald, I'd say it, it's probably too late, but... You know, I, well, I mean, even this time of year, if you plant it in uh, late February, it still may not last through the summer. Yeah. Even that good of grass. I, I just would not plant 
I think that if it was irrigated, maybe, uh, but you you just can't develop the root system you need when we start having this 90-plus degree yeah. weather, and you know it's just around the corner. Uh, so if you were doing a little small area and it wasn't going to be much of an investment dollar-wise in the seed and you had the ability to irrigate it, then you could give it a try. But I, I probably wouldn't recommend it because I think the chances of success are, you know, 25% uh, good and 75% bad. And that's even with Shady Nook, the white coral seed, the best you can buy for this area, even saying that. It, I, I would still much tough. rather wait to mid-September yeah. or any time in October. Right. Well, I appreciate y'all's help this morning. I'll let you, let you go. Jim, give our best to everybody in Bahama, will you? Yes, sir. Just go door to door. That's a good way to do it. Yeah. yeah. You know those Ellis boys over there at Bahama? Everybody knows the Ellis boys. Yeah. Well, do you know uh, uh, the Bahama came from uh, three families Balls, Halls, and Mangums. And that's where they came up. I didn't know that. Dad Gummit, we learn something different every day on yeah. the show. Well, Jim, my, my nephew is a, a wildlife protector living in Bahama. And, and uh, works that area. Is he one of the Ellis boys? No, he's not an Ellis boy. He's an Edmondson boy. Well, who, are the Ellis, who are the Ellis boys? Well, I hope I don't run into him. <laughs> you run into him, he's a, he's he's six four. He can take. He give of you a ticket. <laughs> give you some advice too. Yeah, I imagine. Well, thank you. All right, take it easy, Jim. Bye bye. Uh, Mike Rayley here, along with Ann Clab and Rufus Edmiston, Gerald Adams, and uh, we're so glad to have uh, Justin Burleson with us from Premier Agents Network, Fonville Morrissey, uh, really the person to go to if you're thinking about buying a house. And Justin, in this market, you've got to be so careful. Give us give us a little primer on, on what we should be doing. Give us some advice. Well, the uh, it's, it's, it's tough out there for everyone because the mm-hmm. inventory is so low. And, um, you know, it's, it's, there's so many people moving here because it seems like all of a sudden the employers in the other states said, hey, guess what? You don't have to live in the state anymore to work here. And so everybody decided, I don't want to live in California with the high tax and the high cost of living. And right. let's look over here in, in North Carolina. So all those people are coming over here and um, it's, it, the inventory is just getting worse and worse. So. You know, it, it, it like I said, the, the the biggest problem that I think sellers have right now is is they don't know that they're gonna find something else to buy after they sell their house for a, for a mint. So you know, we over at Premier Agents we have uh, we have some really good strategies to to help people sell their homes because we need to we need to get more inventory in onto the market so that you know more people can find homes to buy. So uh, we can we can help people get their houses ready to go and, and not have to worry about being homeless. Um, so it, it's just a matter of, of you know being patient and not over overpaying because everybody's overpaying in this market when you buy. But um, you know we want to make sure that we we save as much money as possible and we don't go too crazy on the pricing. You're talking about being homeless. Your house is going to sell so quickly. You really you do have to have a, have a strategy for buying a home. You really do if you're going to stay in this area, right? Yeah, it's 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 patience and it's it's working with the right agent to 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 who who goes the extra mile to find the houses you know, maybe before they even hit the market. What what price range is your most popular sales? Well, in this market, it's bidding wars for everything. All of a sudden, 
You know, yeah. before the pandemic, wow. it was it was you know you could you, it was probably bidding wars for everything under five hundred, five fifty, something like that. But now it's all the price ranges. I just lost one yesterday. Uh, they 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 made an offer sight unseen for a ridiculous amount, according to the agent, and it was really close to a million. Good so lord! It was it was it's 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 amazing what this market is doing right now. The house across the street from me sold in one day, and it sold to a person from another country mm-hmm. uh, who paid cash. Yeah, there's a lot of cash it. on the market right now. Cash, paying cash for a house. Well, Rufus mm-hmm. can do that. Rufus, well, yeah. Rufus yeah. prefers <laughs> paying. Yes, cash. I got to dig up a lot of coffee cans for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do we get in touch with you? What's the best way? Uh, you can call or text me at nine one nine six zero nine five one six one, or you can email me at Justin J U S T I N at N C like North Carolina House the number two home dot com. Justin at N C House two home dot com. And uh, it, it, you have a, a website that, that you're connected it's, with? Uh, NCHouseToHome.com is my, is my personal website, but PremierAgentsNetwork.com uh, mm-hmm. is our team website, and you can, you can reach out to any of our great ag- agents uh, that way as well. Yeah. They and, don't think you're a member of the NC House of Representatives. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, uh, the uh, realtors work seven days a week. Oh, yes. I mean, they, they really do. Yeah. Not, there aren't many people who can do that job. <laughs> I care. Just look at the statistics. Yeah, it's, people drop like flies in that. So you you want a uh, you want a good agent. You want somebody who's been around, who's done a lot of sales, that knows the market inside right. and out. There you go. All right, uh, Justin Burleson. Uh, more of the weekend gardener coming up here on WPTF nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three nine one nine eight six zero WPTF. Uh, we were talking about manure. We've talked about manure. Hey, don't look at me when you say that. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the monitor oh. here. Uh, but black cow is the mature manure. And by golly, if you want manure, you want it mature. The uh, warmer planting season is on its way. And, and uh, it's kind of here and there right now. <laughs> I mean, it's, it was in the 40s this morning. So uh, it's going to be warming up. Make sure you get your flower and vegetable gardens off to a great start with black cow. Prepare new plant beds with a one and a half inch layer of black cow in the area and then mix it in with a soil six inches deep. Black cow is natural and organic and it contains nutrients that are released slowly without burning tender roots. Pick up the bright yellow bag and get growing. For more details, check out their fabulous website, blackcow.com. That's blackkow.com. 8.50 WPTF time. More of the Weekend Gardeners straight ahead. You're listening to the longest-running gardening show on the radio. It's the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. The longest-suffering gardening show on the air. Oh, gone. 919-860-9783, 919-860-WPTF. Let's go to Tim in Raleigh. Tim, good morning. Hey, good morning. Thank you for taking my phone call. I really enjoy your show. Thank you. I, can... um, I have a question about Nipophia, red-hot poker plant. Um. And my issue, I I guess I don't understand the anatomy of the flower. And and when I, in order to maintain that bloom, to deadhead it, do you cut it down 
all the way at the bottom of the stock or the stalk, or is each one of those uh, blooms, is each one of those a separate flower, or, or how does that work? Well, you can, I, I don't know that it, I don't know that I ever cut down the whole bloom. I rarely ever do anything to it, <laughs> to be honest with you. I just let them go and bloom. Of course, you know as they get more mature, you'll, you'll have more more of the blooming spikes uh, okay. c- come up out of it. <clears throat> but I rarely ever – it's kind of like daylilies. I don't do anything to them to the end of the season. You know, I've just frost on it when you look to clean up the plant. So it's fair to say that that deadheading isn't really necessary. No, sir, you're not you're not gaining anything by taking the dead. I mean, theoretically, if you planted one plant this year that was a new plant doing something, taking the bloom off to try to keep it from producing a seed head would put more energy into developing more roots. But that's a plant that's got a hardy root system to start with. So I don't know if it's really worth the trouble. If it's a plant that's been there for two, three, four years, then it's already got a well-established root system. And I, you know, I, I could spend that time picking tomatoes or laying on the couch. So I, I, I don't know that that's really necessary. That you're going to gain much from doing that. Okay, and and help me understand something. I, I I've looked online and I can't really find it, uh, the answer. Does, is the anatomy of the flower is <clears throat> at the top of the stalk? Is each one of those blooms a, a separate flower with its own stigma and style, or or is each or is each stalk one flower? I, I think it's multiple flowers on an individual stalk. Okay. Uh, I, okay. I don't know. You know, you do now have hybrids in that, uh, and I've never paid that much attention to it, to be honest with you. I know forever pretty much all you saw was kind of the orange one but now i know you can get different colored ones red ones and even more bicolored ones than what was available 20 years ago so as with anything if you're doing crosses and if they're creating something like that it affects the blooms on them uh but i i off the top of my head i would say they're probably all individual flowers Okay, very good. Well, thank you so much for your help. I enjoy your show. Hey, thank you, Tim, for calling. Now, that's a, a torch lily. Is that another name? One for of the, yeah, red hot pokers in this part of the world is probably what you hear is the common name right. most of. A, a really good summer perennial. Uh, it's beautiful. P- particular, it's just different looking. Right. They, you know, they get a little <clears throat> taller than your coneflowers yeah. and black-eyed Susans, but it's a good addition to mm-hmm. a sunny spot. James is in Raleigh. James, uh, we have a little less than two minutes. Good morning. Hey, good morning. I had a question for the realtor. Um, oh. This is such a hot market for buying houses, and everybody's buying them left and right. Um, a friend of mine bought a house. Come to find out he had a lake around his house when it rained. Does the realtor suggest I walk around the house when it's raining before I buy it next time? it's <laughs> yeah. not, not a bad idea drainage not, you know, <laughs> drainage when you for for gardening and i mean for your landscape and your house it's so important yeah uh, I, I, I always say the best day to do a home inspection is when it's raining so you can see where okay. all the water goes yeah definitely all right thank, well, thank you thank you james yeah, that's a good point uh there there's so many i mean and you got to hire a good good person to uh inspect that home that's right. too and you got to keep your own eyes open right for that matter all right um 919-860-9783 919-860-wptf you're listening to the weekend gardener um so gerald uh, have you 
have you actually planted uh, how many do you have planted outside uh, I, tomatoes that is i think i have 50 50 to 60 50 to 60 already planted already blooming yeah few with a few little and small this is boy on. we've had some crazy weather the craziest weather I mean, in, these in cold April. nights uh, uh, the, know, the April tomatoes. 23rd had a pretty widely scattered frost in wake county yeah, yeah. okay well we'll talk more about that and uh, other gardening topics, and we'll talk some, some real estate with Justin here on WPTF.